Hello and welcome to this week's ADHD Fest, the podcast all about ADHD with a little bit of law of attraction thrown in there. How are you all? I keep forgetting to add the tagline in here. The tagline for ADHD Fest is find your fire, find your flow. And I can't believe I haven't used it yet actually on the podcast because I really love it. I'm going to blow my own trumpet and say I came with it, came up with it myself. But I do really love it. I'd find your fire, find your flow just for me says everything that I want to achieve within the realms of ADHD. I want to find the best version of myself that I'm capable of with ADHD. Not going above and beyond. I still accept that I've got it. But we want to know, you know, we want to get the maximum out of ourselves that we possibly can. So yeah, I'm going to start using that in this intro. It's ADHD Fest, find your fire, find your flow. I am Tara Pratt. I'm your host and owner of ADHD Fest. We're not just a podcast. We also have an Instagram. We also have a website and we're just generally, we're bringing out digital products. I'm very excited because the Burnout Bible is finished. And I'm also working on a physical copy as well because I know sometimes I download these digital things and then I never ever print them. So I thought it'll obviously cost a bit more money to have the physical version, but I'm the type of person that if something works and I want it, I'm happy to pay for the physical. And also I love notebooks. So why wouldn't I want a physical notebook for my ADHD too? Okay, today's podcast. It's going to be a bit different. I'm not going to lie. Normally there's a little bit of law of attraction. There's a bit of woo-woo threaded in. And my personality has that threaded in anyway, so we may touch on it, but really the focus is mainly going to be on adult ADHD. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know that this week I've been to a talk called The Science of ADHD by Dr. James Brown. And it's been put on by a company called Seed Talks. They're doing a tour pretty much around all of the UK I think and I was lucky enough that they came to Leeds and I wanted to just go and see what they were about and why I wanted to touch on it in today's podcast and kind of stick to the ADHD lane is because I've done a lot of research into this. Granted I was only diagnosed about 18 months ago but it's been my absolute hyper focus and that's why ADHD Fest was born. So I knew going into this talk that I would already know a lot of the content and I did but there were some things that surprised me and I knew obviously I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor so I obviously knew there would be some scientific things I didn't really know. Beyond that the way Dr. James Brown phrased things, the way he explained things, just made them a bit clearer for me. So I wanted to dedicate today's podcast to things I didn't know, you might not know, and also ways to frame ADHD. I just want to say up front that obviously these don't cover everything, and there's three different types of ADHD, guys. There's combined, there's hyperactive, or there's inattentive. So not everything will apply to you. It doesn't mean you don't have ADHD. Don't get imposter syndrome. If a lot of them, even the diagnostic um, assessment doesn't require that you hit every single thing. It's just that you cover more than not and there's a cutoff level. But you don't, if you don't have one of these traits, if something doesn't apply to you, it doesn't mean you don't have ADHD. So the talk, I went and I knew that it was going to be two hours. The schedule said half past seven until half past nine. But he was so entertaining he was really funny he's actually got a podcast along with another doctor Alex Connor 
and also uh, his wife. I'll list their podcast in the show notes below just so you can follow that. I haven't actually listened to the podcast. I went in blind, but he was a very funny man. I really liked the way he made everything really relatable. Two hours with the doctor seemed really daunting when I heard about it, but it just was not boring at all. So I'm just going to get straight into this content because I'm not sure whether it's going to need two parts. We'll see how we go. Firstly, something that surprised me was he went through the three different ways that ADHD is mainly affected. And that is emotionally, they're affected in the inhibition part of their brain, and they're also affected in like working memory. He was saying that the three types of ADHD, the most common thing that we are affected by is our emotional regulation issues, which I found quite interesting because I would have thought it would be the memory side. But he was saying no, because some people who are more hyperactive, they don't have the issues with memory. Some people who are inattentive don't have the problems with risk-taking and the inhibition problems. But nearly all of us do suffer with emotional regulation. And one thing that I found really interesting was He not only pointed out the side of overreacting, heavy emotions, big emotional reactions, but one thing he did mention was we can also have an underwhelming response to our emotions, and I've never heard anyone say that before. I've heard of us having, you know, over-the-top reactions, but an underreaction. He described it as when he proposed to his wife, she just didn't react really at all until like a few days later. And she was like, oh, it's quite nice, actually. I'm quite excited. And I thought about my own life. And yes, in those big emotional occasions where the norm of society is that you would be overwhelmed with joy or you would be really sad or you should be really angry. A lot of those times I have found myself not really reacting. And it's not that I don't feel sad or angry in those times, but compare it to, as I say, someone I don't know, or like one of my friend's little boys was crying going into school the other day. It affected me the whole day. And yet these big occasions or big problems usually, they just don't affect me in the same way. I don't panic. I don't worry. It's the small stuff that really affects me. So I did find that interesting because I've never heard that before, that the emotional problems aren't just in overreaction, they're also in underreaction as well. So that might be interesting to you. He did share a few statistics and they're going to be littered throughout this, but 30% of us are not hyper, we're the inattentive side. I thought was quite a big number actually. I thought there was more, I thought inattentive would be on the lesser side, but the most rare are the hyperactive people that are not inattentive at all. They're not combined and they're not inattentive. Combined is the biggest number of people. Hyperactive alone is the lowest number. So you are rare and special if you are in that category. He also mentioned that the first records of ADHD being mentioned were actually in 1775 in Germany, which absolutely blew my mind because he was describing it in the context of ADHD is a thing. Like people who say it's not really a thing, is it? It's just absolute nonsense because the records of it dating back to 1775, it's a thing. But also why it blew my mind is because we still know so little about it. There's not enough research by far. We're coming to know this now with everyone realizing that they've had this thing in their life that they didn't know anything about. How are we in 2023 now still not really knowing everything there is to know about this issue? 
Also, what you were saying about that was, you know, there's no objective test for ADHD. There may be in the future to do with brain scans and things like that. But at the moment, there's nothing. You can't do a blood test. You can't do a brain scan. You can't, you know, perform something that someone can say definitively, yes, you have ADHD. You have to be questioned and it's kind of all objective, which brings a lot of imposter syndrome But one thing that he put forward, which I've never heard before, maybe it's just me, but I thought that's so true, is he put forward, there's no objective test for anxiety. There's no objective test for depression. But everyone accepts that they're real things. No one's like, depression isn't real, anxiety isn't real. Well, maybe there is some Neanderthals, you know, that still say that. But generally, it's widely accepted that depression is real, that anxiety is real. And there's no blood test you can take for those things. There's no brain scan. So why are people so happy to just forget about ADHD and say it's not real? So that made me feel pretty good, actually, that, yeah, it's just as real as depression and anxiety. It's very different, very different indeed. But why are we all like, "Mm, you need this objective test. I don't believe you've got it. It's just ridiculous. More on the stats at the beginning. This number was wild to me. So at the moment, there's been a lot of backlash in the media. I haven't been watching it. I haven't been partaking in it because I just don't want to give my energy to it in any way. I fully stand behind those of us that are fighting the good fight, you know, shouting loud about the problems like the program that was on the BBC last week. I'm just not even going to name them, but they're really undermining people that are now looking into ADHD diagnosis and it's completely unfair. But we have to admit, particularly if you're on social media, if you are researching yourself, it does feel like it's everywhere now. It feels like it's all around you and that can affect you in a positive way or a negative way. For me, I find it really positive, but I know friends around me that kind of suspect and aren't diagnosed are like, hmm, just everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, aren't they? And, you know, we can't all have ADHD and it's literally everywhere. And it does feel like it's everywhere. Now, we are going to touch on law of attraction now because I believe in an abundance mindset and that's for good and bad. Just because your friend has ADHD and is diagnosed with it doesn't mean you can't have it. They're not taking your spot on the ADHD table. It's not like they got there first and now you can't say you've got ADHD. It's equal opportunity here. You have as much right to a diagnosis and to find out more about yourself and get the help that you need as your friend does. And there's more than enough to go around. I know with the NHS in the UK, sometimes it doesn't feel that way because of the waiting lists. But it just because they're failing us doesn't mean you should fail yourself. Have courage in your convictions. You know you better than anyone. I'm rounding this out to get to the point of it feels like it's everywhere. It feels like it's everyone. But actually, the statistics don't back that up at all. And you can't argue with the numbers. At least 2.5% of the population are thought to have ADHD. It's probably a lot more. That's a very conservative guess. 2.5% should have, by statistics, by probability, ADHD. Currently, 90% of that 2.5% are undiagnosed. So out of 2.5% of our whole population, only 10% of those 
is diagnosed. So that's, let me do some quick maths. It's 0.25% are actually diagnosed and 10 times that actually have it. So we've got a long way to go. If it feels like it's everywhere, it's because we've got to catch up. We've got 90% of those people that are going around undiagnosed. So it's going to be everywhere for a while. And if you feel like you've got it, I'm pretty sure you probably have. There are other things that overlap it. And he did in the question and answer section, it was really good. Actually, someone asked about how do you know what's trauma? How do you know what's ADHD? And he said, it's possible to have both. In fact, a lot of the time you do have both. And it can't, I know we try to work out which is it, which is me, which is trauma, which is ADHD. But the fact is, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> which is hard. I know it's hard to hear. But if you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're treating ADHD, that will help your trauma issues as well. Therapy will help ADHD as well as trauma issues. You treat them the same, so it doesn't really matter. Also, if it's from trauma, it doesn't make it any less valid than if it's from ADHD. Both of them contain the same problem. Both of them have the same struggle. If you're struggling, it doesn't matter what caused it. You deserve help. Completely flipping on topic here, um, but I thought it was just a really helpful nugget and I thought, wow, that sounds like it's really true. He was saying, especially in the UK, if you fill in an ASRS form, um, which is just that little form where it asks you questions that seem completely out of the realm of reality, where it's like, can you sit down? Do you need to get up all the time? That one where we tick off sometimes, really, never, that type of thing. Um, he said, if you've filled out one of those and you've gotten to the point of, assessment being recommended for assessment pretty much they already know whether you hit the criteria for it they already know if you score high enough for it to be a possibility that you have ADHD so they go in knowing already that you may have ADHD it's not like you just do that form and it's for nothing what they are actually doing in the assessment is trying to work out if it's explainable by something else. So if it's explainable by trauma, if it's explainable by autism, if it's explainable by bipolar. So basically, that's the last of the criteria you've got to hit is can it be readily explained by another condition? More readily explained, I should say. So they go in thinking, okay, this is likely ADHD, but let's have a look. Is there anything else it could possibly be that fits better? Only because symptoms do overlap. So I just thought that was really good to share because I know a lot of people go in nervous to these things thinking, oh, I've got to prove I've got ADHD. No, they wouldn't even be seeing you without you hitting a certain score on that ASRS form. Then he moved on to physical ailments that can accompany ADHD. And throughout the talk, he was talking about low quality evidence. So there's obviously a lot of studies going on around ADHD. Um, and there's a lot of anecdotal stuff that people are looking into. And he said there's low quality evidence for a few things. And all that means is it doesn't mean that it's not true or there's no evidence. It just means they've studied it a bit. And it looks like this is the case, but they haven't done enough. They haven't had a, enough research around it. The scope hasn't been big enough yet to say definitively, yes, this is caused by ADHD or this happens because of ADHD. So whenever I say it's low quality evidence, that's just what I mean. And I, I'm completely aware, guys, that this is 
stealing half of Dr. James Brown's speech. But if you have a chance to go and see it, he is still touring. Please do go and see because this isn't even half the content that I'm going to talk about here. I don't think it's even a quarter. It's a two hour talk. He has some great insight. So please do go to that in person. But I just wanted to share these points that I found interesting and put my own spin on them for those of you that can't make the talk. Okay, so the physical ailments, I didn't write them all down because I could hardly see in there, but I just, I basically put down the ones that stood out to me that I know to be true for myself or or for my family members. So hypothyroid is one of the things associated with ADHD. I personally don't have this at the moment, but it does run in my family. So that wasn't surprising to me at all. I have wondered about my own thyroid for a while, but I've I'm seem okay. IBS is another one. IBS runs in my family for sure. I do believe, I don't know enough about IBS, so I don't want to put my foot in it here, but I do believe a lot of IBS is stress related. Um, and I have worked on myself quite a lot and I don't have any stomach issues anymore. But when I was younger, I had a lot of stomach issues and slowly but surely I worked out it was from anxiety. It was whenever I felt nervous about something. I didn't feel nervous in my head consciously, but my body would tell me first. And then I think, right, what am I worrying about? And once I worked it out, what I was worrying about, the pain stopped, the problems stopped. Um, So I think it would be absolutely logical to have IBS or stomach problems if you've got ADHD, because it's a stressful disorder. And I'm using the word disorder only because it is classed as a disorder, but please don't be offended by that language. Um, It can be a condition or whatever you want. Restless leg syndrome was another one. I have had restless leg syndrome my whole life. Terrible, it was much worse during pregnancy, which I know a lot of people get, but I've had it since childhood. My family have had it a lot, so restless leg. I was really surprised by that one. Then overflexible joints, that um, condition that I can never say, Ellers, I can't say it. There's one, it's like ED is the initials, Ellers, Dan, Los, I can't say it, I'm sorry. But it's like overflexible joints. I I don't have that condition, I haven't been diagnosed with that condition, but I've been a dancer since a young age and my flexibility has stayed throughout. I haven't danced in years. I do have hip problems. I do have back problems because of my overflexible joints. I went to the physio last year and she was like, yeah, you need to keep your muscle tone around your joints because you're so flexible. You can't feel when you go and past where you should be. So yeah, flexible joints. You've probably heard that one online. It's mentioned quite a lot. And then just general poor health, which I always used to say, I don't say it anymore because obviously I believe in the law of attraction and your words become things, but I used to say my immune system is terrible and it always was. I've always been a sickly child, lots of colds. Now it's not so bad. I do still get colds a lot, but I've got a five-year-old, so he tends to bring everything home. Yeah, general poor health is also associated with ADHD and who knows whether that's a genetic issue and is connected in that way or maybe it's related to the behaviours. Who knows? We can't say. But all he was saying was those things are generally related. There's poor quality evidence, which I found interesting. He also shared that in adults, there is some evidence that there are small anatomical differences 
physically in the brain of a person with ADHD. And this is why he was going along the route of maybe at some point there's going to be a brain scan that can say definitively you have ADHD. But he said, you know, we're already seeing there are small anatomical differences in some people with ADHD in certain areas of the brain. And it's not to do with intelligence at all, because I feel like sometimes when people hear that, they panic and they think, oh no, people are going to think I'm not as intelligent as a neurotypical person. It's nothing to do with intelligence. We can learn anything that a neurotypical person can learn, but we are held back because of structural issues. The parts where there's differences physically in the brain are all to do with communication between the different parts of the brain, or there's differences in the parts of the brain that deal with emotion, attention and inhibition and lots of other parts as well but we talked earlier about those three areas being the main contributors to ADHD. Technology unfortunately isn't caught up enough to test it. Please don't have imposter syndrome. It's a real thing and it is physical. I've heard in several studies it's a physical difference. You can't see it on your face or your arms or your legs. It's inside, in your organs, in your brain. And those three parts, as much as we can learn and we're intelligent, you're overly emotional, it's going to be hard to concentrate on learning. If you have problems with inhibition, then yeah, you might take jumps and risks that aren't that wise and that can affect your learning. All these small differences really do affect the way we live. Dopamine. Now, this is bandied about a lot on social media and this was the main part that I wanted to look at. Um, when I got to the talk, this was the bit that I really wanted to hear about because dopamine is talked about a lot. It's talked about chasing the dopamine. It's how it affects your brain. But I didn't quite understand how. I wanted to know the science behind it. And unfortunately, that was the part of the talk that my mind wandered off because hashtag ADHD. The way he explained the dopamine issues, and it wasn't just dopamine. There's another one that I can't say, neuro something or other. Um, he said it just doesn't work as well within the ADHD brain. There's two ways it cannot work as well. Either the brain gets rid of it too fast, so the dopamine is there, but the brain gets rid of it really fast. Or um, the transmitters don't perceive the dopamine that is there as well as a neurotypical person's transmitters would perceive it. it I suppose if it's getting rid of it too fast, what you would need would be a longer hit of dopamine more hits more often and if your transmitters aren't perceiving it as much you would need a lot more of it for it to perceive that it's even there so that makes sense when you think about it and also gives a few clues to how medication works and this podcast is going on a bit long today so I think I'm gonna do a part two on this but I just wanted to finish on this one note we are creative thinkers and I talk about that a lot on this podcast that's one of my favorite things we are creative thinkers, we think outside the box and it feels like a real strength for me personally and one thing that he did say was your ADHD strength might not be another person's, like we're all so different so if that's not one of your strengths I don't want you to feel less than in any way, we've all got completely different strengths but for me one of my strengths is creative thinking and I love to be creative but something I haven't heard about, and it was so true when he said it, and I just never thought of it this way, is that people with ADHD struggle with flexible thinking. 
So what he meant by flexible thinking is once we've decided that we're going to do something one way, we find it really difficult to change the way we do things. So if we're doing something, even if it takes a million extra steps that we don't need, that's the way we do it. And someone comes along and goes, do you know you could just do it this other way? It's much easier. We find it very, very difficult to change to that way. And to be honest, I find it annoying. If I'm enjoying doing it my way, even if it's the long route, why do you need to mess with it? Why does there need to be a proper way? And why do people need to put that on us? Um, So yes, for me, I do struggle with flexible thinking. If I found a way that works for me, I'm going to stick to it. And it doesn't matter how easy your way is. I'm just not going to do it. So I thought that was a good point to finish on. I hope you've enjoyed this today, even though we haven't had as much of the law of attraction um, within it. I just thought they were great points to bring up some good stats in there. There is some more, so I'm going to include that in a second part. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the whole podcast next week or whether it's just going to be partial podcast and then I'll do an extra one, a bonus one on top about law of attraction. But do let me know if you've enjoyed this and do try and go along to that talk if you can. It's called The Science of ADHD and it's by Dr. James Brown and Seed Talks is the company putting it on. He has a podcast called The ADHD Adults with his wife and also Dr. What was the other one called? Dr. Alex Connor. They're called the ADHD Adults. And they also have a community app called Discord, which I haven't tried myself, but a few of the people that were there were in it and they seem to love it. So go and give them a follow. Don't forget to come and say hi over on Instagram. We've also just opened a Facebook community. It's called ADHD Fest, the group. (laughs) And it's got that tagline in there, find your fire, find your flow. There are a couple of questions to ask coming into the group, but it really is for anyone. You're all welcome. And it's only me checking the answers. It's just because I'm nosy, really. And it's just to agree to the rules to make sure it's a safe space for everyone. It is a private group, so people can't see if you're in there, but you can search it and just answer the questions there. So I'd love to see you and hear your thoughts. And any questions, again, hit me up. I'm at ADHD Fest on pretty much everything. Have a lovely weekend and I'll catch you next Friday. Bye.